Hello, Yanis, and welcome to Skills for Mars. I was looking forward to hosting you and to talking about stories for quite a long time. Well, thank you for this great invitation and the honor. And uh, yeah, I got very excited when I got your invitation, and here I am. Uh, I figured out, and actually one of your presentations in uh, the conference that started in March, uh, the one on remote work, that's when I I always knew stories were important, but somehow you brought them back to me and uh, you brought them very, very clear into my mind when you asked all of us to to, um, close, to get close to our cameras, but with our ears. And uh, you started whispering something. We all had headphones, of course, so we didn't hear in the camera, but still you got us closer like that. And I found it so funny and so engaging. The previous talk was very nice, but they all tend to get boring after a while. They all tend to get monotonous, right? We listen to speakers over and over and they might be interesting or not. But this one, oh, get close, uh, get close, put your ear on the camera and let me whisper something. And I was like, oh, this is getting uh, interesting. <laughs> and the whole presentation was so, so, so uh, inspiring and energizing that I said, we need to talk about stories more. They are very important in our life. And here we are. Wow. Thank you for this gift already in the beginning of this discussion we have. Thank you so much. I I, I, I do some experiments online. I'm a facilitator online. So um, I do facilitations online. So I try to experiment and see how people react. So when you give me this feedback, it's a great gift. Thank you. Uh, Yanis, so everyone gets to know you a bit better. Can you tell us who you are and how did you start? How exactly did you start with storytelling? Who I am? Wow. You know, that's the most difficult question today. But anyhow, I'll try to answer it. Um, so let's start from my origin. I'm origin Greek. I live and work in Germany for the last 15 years. And um, one of the main things I do is I work as a facilitator in physical space and online spaces. And part of my facilitation includes working with stories. So I also call myself as a story practitioner. Now don't say storytelling, huh? because storytelling is just a part of working with stories. So I'm a story practitioner. And um, I think regarding my identity, these are the two things that um, I'm okay for people to know at the moment. Um, well, regarding storytelling, there is a kind of uh, uh, a big history. It goes very much deep on my uh, uh, student years. So it started, I think, when I was starting playing guitar as a musician in in pubs and bars, and I was I was writing my own songs at that time, and it was more or less a kind of songs of uh, autobiography, and they were quite humorous. So I was a kind of deconstructing myself. And I was building small stories about, you know, about myself. So this was my first, let's say, uh, um, uh, contact with storytelling coming out of the world, all right? And then I realized, and some people also gave me the feedback, hmm, you have it on stage, you have it, Yanis. And then I started, you know, doing some theater. I became a kind of an amateur actor. And then I started becoming a director and I was directing theatrical acts for children. So then again, this 
classical storytelling of fairy tales got into my life. And I was not just reading this, I was, you know, I was improvising on making it a theatrical act. Um, and then after some times, after some time quite recent, I would say the last, it was 15 years ago that I started working in organizations as a marketeer. So then you can imagine that storytelling got into my work. And at that time, more or less what I was doing, a lot of people, something like 15, 20 years back, it was this kind we call story selling. Huh? So we're taking a product, we were building a story about that, and we were trying to support our sales forces to sell it. And a lot of things, and it doesn't resonate so much with me now, this part of my life, the story selling. But some years after, actually 10 years before, I got into the world of digital corporate education. And that was a revelation because I started as an instructional designer of e-learnings. I started building e-learnings where I started including the stories of people that they were you know, involved in this product knowledge. This was the e-learnings I was preparing for. And they were bringing their own stories. And then this was a kind of a revelation for me. A lot of things happened after regarding storytelling. Maybe we have opportunity to say it after, but you just started me how the storytelling thing started in my life. I think I will stop here. <laughs> What's a narrative strategist? A narrative strategist. Hmm. Yeah, this is, I, I, now you are, you are cheating me. You see my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I look, I mean, I'm a recruiter. So LinkedIn is the tool of choice, right? So yeah. then I saw narrative strategist and I said, ah, I have to ask him what this is. So uh, let's say it in a nutshell is the person who supports organizations, you know, and working with narrative approaches and stories as they're building their strategy. And strategy, of course, includes all the other functions and aspects of an organization, which is, you know, leadership, change management, uh, um, uh, recruiting, you know, uh, um, corporate education, forecasting, foresighting, all this kind of stuff. So um, it's a kind of, you know, a supporting faction for these people to find a story path towards their future. How do you combine business strategy and storytelling? Because that's what I what I hear. Do they work together? Of course, um, absolutely. I would say, and I'm I'm excited when I experience that. Well, <clears throat> how do I combine it? So when when my clients or organizations approach me, most of the times it is because they say, hmm, um, we want, we, we are working on building a community and we think that maybe storytelling can help us. Yes, so community building, which is behind that is connecting people, all right? We know I was working for inside organizations for more than 20 years, 25 years. And I realized that most of us, we were working in silos. So how can we break the silos and start getting connected? And stories is a great cycle for that. Um, then <clears throat> they ask, okay, okay, our leaders, they, they, it seems that we have leadership programs and so on, but we feel that something is missing. Our leaders are not able to articulate a kind of a story that can inspire, can inspire the people inside the company that we ask them to follow a change but also inspire you know, uh, people from outside to become our customers. So this is also a kind of thing that story has a very, very profound and uh, uh, effective place there. Um, corporate education, 
This is I was working there for years. So uh, and this has to do with engagement of the people in their learning. So how do you really create this engagement? And we know how tricky is, especially in the online world, in that. Um, and yeah, many others, you know, career finding. How can you support people, you know, move on with their careers? How do you support them to build their future story? Honestly, there are so many, uh, uh, how can I say, uh, functions and aspects in organization that you can... Use storytelling for. Is there a story that has really marked you? And you still have it with you and maybe go back to whenever you want some inspiration? Um, wow, man, there are many stories. Um, let me let me think. I have a story which is um, not coming from the organizational world, but um, the epimyth of this story, it fits so much about the power of storytelling. May, may I share that? Is it okay? Mm -hmm. Yes, please. So... Um, Okay, I'll try to make it short. So <clears throat> back in 1995, so it's how many years? 35, 25 years ago, I was traveling in the US and I met two people, a couple, Melanie, a third generation Greek, and Peter, who, who yeah, Peter, an English guy, all right? A British guy. So, and we have been very close and since that time uh, and until today, we are keeping our relationship warm and we meet from time to time. So some years ago, they shared a story with me. Peter actually shared a story with me. Uh, he said, Yanis, you know, um, something happened to me and I would like to share. I said, what is it, Peter? I'm just getting worried. No, 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 but it's an interesting story. And, and he says, you know, 10 years ago, it was this hype and trend of checking your DNA, you know. And there was these companies that you could just, you know, send your uh, uh, whatever and, and they check your DNA. So Peter, the story is that when he was born, his mother was 18 years old and he left him in front of the door of an orphanage. And they picked him up so he never met his real mother. So and. Of course, he got other parents and they told him the story and everything was okay. And he grew up in UK and nothing was really important for me about, you know, his real uh, parents or so on. However, he said, okay, just for curiosity, I will do this DNA test. He did it. And the first surprise came. He was 50% German and some other things and something like 15% coming from a British route. Okay. And the other thing that happens, these platforms, they send you also a mail which says, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people getting in these platforms and it's called the potential relatives up to the seventh grade. You know, you can find an ancestor seven generations back or a cousin, something like seven generations from. And, um, you know, he said, okay, it's fine. Please contact me. Five years after he had done the test, they contact him and say, well, you know, there is a sixth level cousin. Maybe you can just, it was important because this cousin was coming from his real ancestor tree. Well, he was in Australia, nothing happened. They just exchanged and, you know, sixth level, you don't find anything. Well, nine years after he did the test, they say, well, now we found a second cousin and this second cousin wants to get in contact with you. Now that becomes really interesting. 
because it's very close. Just to make the long story short, he got in contact with his cousin, all right? And he realized that his mother, 90 years old at the time, was alive, living in Switzerland. And oh. they, created, they created a process and he met his mother for the first time as he has been 72 years old and his mother being 90. And he showed me the pictures, the images that they hug. And even now that I say I have goosebumps. Oh, my God. And yeah. Isn't that a fantastic story? And you know what? Next morning, already next morning, I ordered the test. <laughs> so I ordered the test for myself, even knowing that I'm probably the person, one of the persons in the world that I'm very much sure about my my uh, my own, let's say, ancestor tree. Haha, <laughs> there were some surprises, not big one, not big ones, but there were some surprises as well in my story. But we say that another time. So, uh, yeah, this was a kind of how can I say? I was mesmerized by that, and um, I still keep the story. And as you see, I can still. I'm still able to share. And uh, I think it's very good to see the positive side of DNA testing as well, because a lot of uh, a lot of the people that I know look at the negative side mm -hmm. of people being able to trace you and so on. But if someone like this is able to trace you and uh, you find your mother after 60 years. 72. Yeah, 70, yeah. The mother that you have exactly, never met. Exactly, 72. Yeah, he was 72. Yes, the mother you have never met. That's that's an amazing uh, that's an amazing story. That's an amazing uh, ending. So um, new technology can bring us back together. It looks like T talking about it. And as we got into this uh, more technological uh, medical field, what's behind storytelling? Is there anything in our brains that uh, make stories stick or easier understood? Hmm. I suppose you are talking about the neuro neuroscience of storytelling. Uh huh. Wow. I mean, the uh, what it is amazing the last five, eight years, I think, is that neuroscience as a science has been evolved so greatly, and now we are able to see with all this new hardware and software and MRIs, we are able to see in an image what's going on in our brains every millisecond. This is what science is. We are able to track what happens in every areas of our brain every millisecond. And there were some, I would say, in inspiring people that they say, mm -hmm, let's try and see what's going on with this uh, thing that comes from our ancestors and from whenever we the, the, the humanity has been born, which is the story. And of course, they, they discovered amazing things. And uh, it has to do all, main, there are several hormones that they are released when we are uh, in experienced, we are getting experienced, experiencing stories. One of them is oxytocin. And uh, I mean, the story of oxytocin is also a very interesting story by itself. You know, it's a kind of hormone, it's very fragile. And compared to other hormones, as far as I, I know and I understand, I'm not a neuroscience expert. Uh, it is released in the brain and in the body, which is a strange thing for a brain-released uh, 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 hormone. And then what, what, what it creates is that, let me tell it in my own words, uh, if I treat you well, or if you treat me well, 
I synthesize oxytocin, and then I'm motivated to treat you well back. <laughs> of course, you think that if half of the people, they do that, then the world will be a world of peace. Why is this not happening? But that's another story. But I come to oxytocin, which science showed that when you are emotionally engaging in narratives, this inspire also post-narrative actions. This is what happened with me when I heard the story from Peter. The next morning, I acted and I ordered the test for myself. So this is one thing. The second thing is oxytocin is considered to be the hormone of connection and community, as we say, and engagement. So, and also what we have seen is that they compare it with listening to data also, or listening to a discussion which doesn't contain stories, or listening to ideology discussions or whatever. And there was a huge difference. So when you listen to data, for example, only two areas in your brain get activated, and they both have to do with language. Now, when you are, your brain listens to a story, up to eight different areas are activated. And some of them, they have to do with the senses, with color, with sound, and also the motor cortex gets activated, which means that, yes, when you hear a good story, you are inclined to act, all right, as I did, okay? so. This is, these are the things around the science. Um, there, are, there are many, many other things. I'm working now on a project uh, for a foresight uh, conference um, where uh, I'm developing a, a concept about the, um, the future of food. There's so much discussion about how would food be in the, in the future, all right? And neuroscience shows that there are the same areas in the brain that they are activating and they are these areas are connected to both memory and imagination. So to the past and to the future. So my assumption is that if we work with memories of food from our life, we may be able to shape a better future for food. So I'm doing this kind of research and then this doing of experimentation. Yeah, very, very interesting. How much, when you started telling me about uh, your uh, beginnings in storytelling, uh, you are deconstructing yourself and you are using humor. And whenever I hear you talking or I hear another storyteller, there's always a bit of element, if not a very big element of humor in it. Is humor important to storytelling? Or not so much? Um, it is, of course, it is. And... Um... I wouldn't say so much. It, 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 I think the most important thing is not to use it as a technique. Okay. It needs to come as part of the story. You know, that's the most important. If a story includes humor or not, it's it's another thing. And it's okay if it doesn't. Huh? When you tell a good story, no matter if it contains humor or not, you are just getting into that. You get into a flow, you know. So... Um, I think for me, the message here is don't fake it. If it comes naturally, then just have it there. So what's this flow? How does it feel? Would, would this flow be a recognition that, hey, I am a good storyteller or that it is a good story? And how does this flow exactly feel? Um, so if you are in a flow when you're listening to a story, 
it indicates some things. The first thing is that, yes, there is a good story behind that makes me get into a flow, which means I lose time. You know, it's like getting in a time machine. And uh, um, probably you remember also in my workshop, it's not about telling a story. Uh, I work a lot with moments. And uh, and this comes from the narrative therapy uh, um, uh, realm and also from uh, one person, which I would like to mention her name here. I'm standing on her shoulders. She has done great work on that. It's Shanice Bart. So she, she, she taught me how to work with moments. And the idea is when you work also with moments, you don't ask, okay, tell me about a moment. You ask, take me to a moment. That's the beauty of a story. A good story really uh, is able to get you somewhere. You get into the time machine. And also on, as uh, Michael Margolis, another expert on business storytelling says, story is a transportation device. It takes you somewhere. And it's also a translocation device. So it takes you there and it lands you there. And you are there with the storyteller and the story. So good story, of course, a kind of uh, a good and compelling story, um, kind of, I wouldn't call it skills, but let's say a present storyteller, a storyteller who is really present with the story they tell, all right? And the other one, which is very much important for me when you're in a flow, it means that you are a good story listener. If you cannot listen to a story, you don't get into a flow. So these three aspects, the storyteller, the story listener, and the story, they make a beautiful, you know, magma of getting you into a flow. Can you judge the quality of a story by how much someone is listening? Um, <clears throat> when you say the word judge, oops, I mean, I, I, I contract. Or measure <laughs> the quality of a story. Um, you know, as as I said before, it's a combination of things, and if it happens, you're there. Um, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't say measure, but what I would say is that there are some things that they can make a story good that can create a flow. Hmm? There are some things, <clears throat> and uh, uh, this is something that it can be taught. This is something that you can learn. I don't believe so much in this charismatic way of someone being a storyteller. Yes, some people, they have something like a kind of, some people call it talent, but definitely, I want to, to pass a message here. Storytelling is something that you can learn. And you can learn also story listening. How can you become a great story listener? You can learn also how to harvest stories. You can learn also how to trigger stories. All these are aspects of this, you know, realm that we call it story work. It's not only storytelling. And this is something that you can learn. Another thing about a good story that I would like to mention, because a lot of people ask me, so Jans, what is a good story? And it's a difficult question to answer. Huh? But the way I see it is that a good story is the one that it can even slightly transform you when you listen to it in the here and now and after. So when you're listening to a good story, you are getting transformed in the time that you're listening. So, you know, there are several emotions that they are created. You are getting into this flow. Actually, in, in the moment, you are becoming a better person. And the same thing happens after the story finishes. So I think this is, for me, a good story that transforms you in the moment. And this is kept after as well. So if anyone is wants to be a storyteller and he hears this kind of feedback, then 
they can say that their story was a good one. Yes. And it is important <laughs> when you hear a story that either you ask, either like we did yep. in our workshop, if you remember, you ask the listeners to give the feedback to the storyteller as a gift. And this means that it needs to be a good feedback and not a critical feedback. But, you know, when you're in this flow, it definitely touches you and you become able after to give a great feedback to the storyteller. And this continues also. The feedback then needs to give a storyteller, the, the, the storyteller who got the feedback can give feedback to the story listener how he was touched about what the story listener told them. So it's a, it's a beautiful process, the whole story construction. You just said that you don't believe so much in charisma and talent, you were questioning it as well. Is it a talent or is it something, so something you are mostly born with and uh, maybe maybe um, practiced as a, as a child uh, with your parents or is it something that you can start learning at every single point in your life? Storytelling, I mean. Um, yeah, when I say I don't believe in talent, it's it's not exactly this, but I believe very much on our influences. So uh, and and I'm also I forgot to say in my in my introduction, but doesn't matter. You know, I um, one piece of the story work of my life that I was missing it was the therapeutic part. So then like, two years ago I started studying narrative therapy, and from 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 this perspective. Um, in narrative therapy, we say that uh, the way we are constructed as human beings, we are always in relationship with another, with others, all right? And that makes us, uh, how can I say, include in our lives this multiplicity of different stories that we have experienced. So then you can imagine how many points in our lives have been points of influencing and having impact on us. On us. Of course, if you're living in a storytelling environment, there is much more possibility to become a good storyteller. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, I grew up with a grandmother and a mother, they are, my grandmother has been a great storyteller and my mother is still alive and she's an amazing storyteller. And I have developed a project with her. We meet uh, for one, one month and a half. I invite her and she comes to Germany. She lives in Greece. And for one month and a half, we are working with the stories of your life and my life, especially the ones that I don't remember. And it's an amazing experience. Very nice. I should do that as well with uh, my parents. I have uh, some, at some points, I feel like I have so many questions, but we never get uh, to a point, right? A uh, um, determined design point in which to discuss them. And sometimes you feel it's the right moment and you do it, but sometimes it's not. But I think that um, actually planning it uh, and uh, focusing on it might be actually a good uh, a good uh, thing. Do it. That's my strong strong advice. And you know, by just listening to the stories of your parents, it's an amazing gift to them. Yeah. Because you know, as they grow old, you know, their body doesn't allow them to be active. They they want to still believe that they are useful in the lives of their children in the community as well. And the best way, one way, not the best maybe, but one way to feel that is by allow them and then listen to their beautiful stories. So, yes. Plus you, plus uh, yeah. You listen to them. You give them something back, and and you learn something about yourself. Tell me, Yanis, how do you keep this skill up to date? Where do you learn from? Uh, do you have any mentors? Do you have any communities that you join where you can test your stories? 
Um, as as I said before, you know, um, and it's, thank you for this question because I want to point out that if we are talking about storytelling uh, and and about practicing that, it all starts with listening. I remember the late John Berger who said, "If I'm a good storyteller, is because I listen." I think this is great wisdom. So yes, you're right. I try to, as I explained, for example, just a minute ago about my mother and the project. So I try to, to put myself in a, in a story field, you know, where stories are exposed, stories are being told, stories are being listened. And one of these territories, one of these fields is my mother, huh? as I said. Then, of course, there are, as I mentioned before, there are some people that I'm standing on their shoulders uh, because they have been my mentors and they are both of them, uh, I can mention two names. This is Shines Vart, as I said, and Mary Alice Arthur. They are both great storytellers and uh, being with them, it's, 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 it's really, you know, it's a great gift. And then also uh, where I experience and where I, uh, I get uh, um, one of my recent resources is my narrative therapy tribe. We are 20 people that we are studying now for the late last two years and we have one year more and we are working with that from therapeutic point of view and we are how can i say it's it's so mesmerizing that when we are working together so many new things and new learning pops up and we are learning from each other and with each other yeah, why I ask this is that uh, I somehow feel, uh, or at least maybe in in, uh, in my community and uh, the people I work with, that they are somehow afraid of storytelling or that they don't think that they are good storytellers. And uh, just as you, I think that this is a skill that you can learn, right? There are patterns that you can try first and then uh, uh, move on from there, listen to your listen to the stories of your friends get out the emotion out of them, really deconstruct them and understand what's behind them and what, what made you, um, what moved you in that, in that particular story. So I pretty much wanted to tell the listeners that hey, there's a way that you can do this. Even if uh, it's uh, later in your life, you can still become a good, uh, a good storyteller. <laughs> but you need the discipline, you need the focus, you need the listening skills, you need to immerse yourself in the storytellings, yeah. whatever they are. You know, you can become a good storyteller just by listening to stories. You don't need a lot after. Maybe I can share some small, you know, tips and tricks. No, just tips. <laughs> uh, but uh, but um, resonating what you said, I remembered um, um, a beautiful quote from an American radio producer, uh, Ira Glass, who said that great stories happen to those who can tell them. So this means that, you know, you, you need to get yourself in a story field and allow first stories to happen to you. Witness them, listen to them, all right? And then we say, what are the skills for storytelling? Yes, it's curiosity. Be curious about the other. And when you are curious about the other, you are more willing and you're more open to listen to their stories. And then do this with care. And when I was working in, 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 in the last organization I was working uh, and supporting the e-learning design and development. Uh, because I was so much into that, I developed my own model. And this was published in one of the books that uh, I have co-authored with other people. 
And uh, um, I gave this model, and I want to share that. I gave a name that most of the people coming from the professional, the artist, Giannis, no, that's not a model that really could, you know, could go a path to, you know, professional environments because the name of the model was the love and curiosity model. So curiosity, it comes from care and curiosity. So when you are curious and at the same time you are caring and the way you approach with your curiosity, the other, and the way you're listening to the other, a lot of things can change in terms of, you know, building the relationship, building the community, sharing the stories and so on and so on. So how was the model? Was it good, re well received? How was what? Was the model well received in the end? Mm, well, at, at least I'm happy because some uh, institutions and some uh, other organizations and some schools, they 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 uh, asked for that and they try to implement it. So um, I'm happy. It was good. I'm, I'm asking because I had a discussion yesterday and uh, someone told me uh, we were discussing remote work and uh, he told me, oh, I just attended a conference and uh, there were this and this presentation and there was one which was a bit stranger because he talked about the, the romantic view of work. And then he started to tell me what it was in there. And while he couldn't mention or couldn't really remember what was in the others, just some, some big headlines, this one really stuck with him. So at the end, I was like, oh, it seems like the title <laughs> did capture the attention in the end. It's a, it's a different way of thinking of the thing that we look at most every single day. Mm. By the way, talking about this and capturing attention, I think this is one of the hot trends right now, uh, storytelling, wherever you go, whether that's Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, everything is about stories. Selling products is about stories. How do you, how do you feel about that? And you come from a product marketing background. Yeah. Um, well, I feel the first thing that it does to me is that it triggers me in a good way and I feel inspired because having storytelling as a buzzword, I see it positively because it opens a field. So now everybody, as you say, talks about storytelling. This means it's easier for me and other people that they do the same work like me as story workers and story practitioners. The door is open to go and say, hey, it's not only about storytelling and story selling. Let's see a little bit the aspect of story listening because this will help you in your storytelling. So I'm always trying to be with them where they are. They were in the storytelling. You know, yes, storytelling is great, but how do you trigger stories in your environment, all right? I love what Christina Baldwin says. You know, a great storyteller, a great story worker needs to be always alert to knock the story door of other people so that the story, the door opens and the story uh, uh, blossoms out. Um, so I see it positively. Um, also what, uh, I mean, we have different means now, right? So the digital world, videos, you know, the social media world, all this kind. And then what I see, um, but it's, it's my interpretation is that we have a kind of a reductionist, let's say process regarding storytelling. We used to have storytelling, you know, in physical environments where people were getting together and sharing stories and laughing, you know, around the fire and so on. And, and, and then as we move into the digital world, and I don't say that in order to say that that's bad. I love the digital world. I want to make clear that. 
But what happens is that we are moving from more to less. So this was the environment with more people, more. Uh, and then we are coming now into a story which is a kind of a single approach. So me, I am in Instagram and I put my story and that's it. And I'm putting it out there without knowing who's going to listen, who's going to see it. Who's... Of course, there are a lot of there is a lot of interactivity there as well. But um, I find this as a kind of it's an observation without judging it if it's good or bad. Um, we know that story storytelling adds value to everything from products, from individuals, from communities, from political parties, even to society. And then it's no surprise for me that uh, it's translated to prices as well. Hmm? Rob Walker's and Glenn's uh, experiment, for example, uh, that's no surprise. And I want to add here, no, there is no innocent story. Huh? What do you mean by there's no innocent story? I mean, no matter of your intention, even if you have an intention to sell something with your story, and uh, even if your intention is to connect, I wouldn't consider it innocent, right? Or even if unconsciously something happens with your storytelling thing, no matter the intention, you have an impact when you're listening to a story and when you're telling a story. There is an impact there and it's huge. And we know it from neuroscience, we know it from community work, we know it from narrative therapy. The impact is huge. Yanis, so what would be some, you mentioned several times uh, triggering stories and knocking the doors to, to get stories from other people. How can how can we do that? Do you have any, any tips that you use maybe? Hmm. Um, I, I, I will refer back to... Uh, to this great woman, uh, Christina Baldwin, um, you just need to be present and be aware. So you're in an environment, you're in a field, and you just need to smell it and be aware, okay, this is a field where some great stories can blossom. What would be my intervention just to, you know, to bring these stories into the field for everybody? Uh, one work, for example, that I am doing right now, and I'm developing, my again, another model is my work on polarities and uh, on conflict resolution. And uh, the work I'm doing is I'm, I'm using their story as an intervention. So, you know, so how can you use story there? How can you trigger the stories of people that they now find themselves in a polarized territory, either being in one or the other pole? And there is not just not communication, there is no willing of communication and getting together. So how do you trigger this, the right stories there that they can just allow these people at least to listen to each other? So that would be very be interesting present, to talk about for sure. Be present, be curious, uh, be hungry also for the other stories. Be open also for what you hear and not being judgmental. So this is a good combination of attributes that support how you can trigger a story. And do you do for yourself any kind of any sort of training or practice so you can be more present and aware and get into that state? It doesn't matter how tired you are or uh, uh, maybe unfocused. So you can, immediately when you hear a story, you can get into that space and be present and truly listen. Um, <laughs> that's a tricky question. If if you are talking about meditation, I'm not so good at that. It's not. It's not my. It might my... not be. Yeah, um, 
My background is organizational gestalt, which means I studied uh, organizational development uh, with the principles of gestalt uh, therapy. Um, and, and one of the basic principles of gestalt is being present and using, your, using self as an instrument, as we say. So it's something that you can develop. The first thing starts with awareness. So the moment that I'm aware about what's happening in, my, in the environment, about what's happening in myself, and how are these two are interrelated, it's a good starting point of being present. And it's a good practice. Um, I support people also. What I do is this, I call them phenomenology walks. So before the coronavirus, you know, I take people out and we just observe what's going on outside with all our senses. So what do I see? What do I feel? What do I sense? What do I smell? What do I hear? And so on. And then we, we, we share that, all right? So these are small, you know, uh, um, actions and tricks that you can do in order to enhance your presence. And also telling stories. <laughs> because storytelling, you know, requires presence, but it engenders and brings presence as well. And I, and I uh, um, agree with you when you say that storytelling is so present nowadays that more and more people do it, which of course makes it easier for you. But whenever I read an article, whenever I see something online, most of the good ones start with a story and they connect directly with it. How, and definitely they capture attention. How do you see the future of storytelling, considering that it is, it is growing? Mm. Well, I, see, I see it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, as I say, the trend now is, is beautiful to experience, all right? Um, so what I see in the future, it's already happening, but what I see, I see more story practitioners out there. I mean, more and more people are getting into this, you know, hey, I'm, I'm curious about stories because I see they have an impact. So, and in all levels, not only in organizations, huh? So um, then I see we are, we, we are just coming back to our uh, ancestors, to our, uh, you know, there is a lot of, of work and a lot of, how can I say? Uh, Connecting with your roots. Yeah, and bringing this out, you know, a lot of indigenous, you know, work that takes place and so on. And another thing that I also am very much optimistic and I see going forward is the narrative therapy territory. Uh, narrative therapy is kind of therapy which it's, it's, it belongs in this postmodernistic world. You know, it's the last you know 40, 50 years and so on, even less. But um, more and more people that they are getting into the narrative therapy realm, either as practitioners or therapists, or either as patients, okay, they realize how impactful is this for their healing of whatever they come up to these uh, therapeutic sessions. And uh, my experience is that it works in a quite fast way, which I always say, I'm always saying, hey, let's slow down, slow down. But I want to realize with, with the narrative therapy, the methodology that it uses is that it brings results to people very quickly, which is probably desired in the era that we are living today. So yeah. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be fantastic. And my wishful thinking is that uh, uh, we become, all of us, storytellers with intention. With intention to bring the good stories in the world. Because if we bring the good stories, 
the world becomes good. It's a very simplistic, very simple, but very true, uh, uh, how can I say, statement, yes. <laughs> yeah, at some point with all the uh, right technology developments, so AI taking over the world, maybe we'll have robots working for us. And at some point we can just go back next to a fireplace and all the chat with each other and uh, share what we think of, uh, fantasy stories or just the daily stories. We'll just make something uh, up as we go. Yeah, yeah. And spend beautiful uh, time like this. Uh, I remember I was invited in a... In a, in a digital learning conference, it was five, six years ago. I was invited in a, um, as a keynote speaker. The topic was the future work and future workers. And I remember I finished my small uh, uh, talk there by bringing people into the time machine. And I say, hey, let's go back to the ancient Greek agora, the ancient Greek market where the people were liberated more or less from this everyday work because at that time, unfortunately, whatever call it, they were the slaves that they were doing the work. Imagine that now this is now the robots and the artificial intelligence. So we get back to this basic humanistic, you know, sharing and having the time to share attributes. And okay, I don't care if they are clever, the robots or they are stupid, let them do the work and let's go back to our humanity. <laughs> <laughs> and share the stories that we, we 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 learn and we know and bring our humanity into the next level. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping as well. It was great. Maybe um let me let me know if we are, if we are okay with time. Maybe I can share you know five small tips about or a tip about how can you tell a better story. Please. Huh? I, I will do it the way I did it in our workshop. So I don't know if you can also come closer because you have experienced that, but I will come closer to the camera. Right, and I was whisper these small, you know, things there. So uh, I don't know if you have seen the um, the movie. Uh, what was it called with the late um, William Robinson, Dead Poets Society? You remember that? Anyhow, it was this conformative school, and they were um, the, the students. They were taught poetry, but in a very mathematical way. And then it was this inspiring uh, teacher who took them out in the fields and they found a cave and they created uh, uh, poetry evenings, you know, outside of the school program. And they called it the tribe, the Dead Poets Society. And it's like a kind of, uh, of, of a tribe that shares secrets. So I'm coming closer then and I will say a few things about um, what makes a good story. So uh, one thing is maybe sounds very naive, but it's basic. So a good story has a start, a middle, and an end, okay? And um, I, I know in Hollywood and in Netflix now, this uh, principle is getting uh, deconstructed. They can start with the end or whatever, but for a start, for us, it's a good thing. Um, the second is, and that's the most important, I think, a good story always starts with a date and a place. It was December 2018 when blah, 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 blah. And the small secret here is that when you start with a name, with a date and a place, the story evolves by itself. We are we are wired to story. So what happens in our brain is that our memory immediately opens up the small boxes to create all these beautiful things that they make a story to be told. So date and time, number two, all right? Number three, challenge. No, story without a challenge is like 
a fish bowl without the fish, even without the water. <laughs> so you need to have a challenge in the story, you know. And then part of the story is how you resolve the challenge. How did you dealt with the challenge? Um, number four, I mean, there are something like to end You can bring some of this, but I can speak for the whole day for that. I will just pick five, all right? So the number four is the double M, as we say, mystery and magic. A good story includes mystery without necessarily that mystery that needs to be uh, somehow uh, revealed. And magic also, not necessarily magic that needs to be revealed as well. And uh, uh, who said that? It was uh, ah, it was a British small story writer, uh, Roland Dahl. He said that if you don't believe in magic, you will never find it. So include magic and and mystery in your stories. And number five, of course, it's the learning. All right. So a good story includes learning. At the end, we used to have this as a happy end. Not necessarily. It can be a learning from our failures or whatever, but learning is something that uh, makes a good story as well. So that was it for the moment. Thank you very much, Yanis. Great tips, and I'll make sure that uh, that we place them so everyone can uh, can see them and not only hear. And also mention the names of uh, the people you have quoted, like uh, Christina and I wrote some other names here. Christina Baldwin, yeah. Maria Sartu, and Shines Vart are people that I am standing on their shoulders. And then we will give them credit. Thank you so much. That's a great gift for me that you give me now. Um, it was a great pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. I got into the flow of our discussion due to your beautiful questions, but uh, I, I knew that in advance because I have seen some of your podcasts. So you, <laughs> you are a great person to put great powerful questions and um yeah thank you so much yanis thanks as well the pleasure was all mine